0: media for beautiful food and inspiration.
1: Welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Friday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Um, starting to get a little hot here in San Jose, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, you can support this project at eplex.store. It's Patreon-like subscriptions there, or you can buy swag. You can also, just if you're a Patreon user and don't want to like sign up for something new, you can, in fact, still just use Patreon. I'm Producer
2: Dave. You can find me on Grinder. Hey, Producer Dave, what's going on? This is The Councilman. You can find me, as always, at T-H-E underscore Councilman on the Twitter, if it's still there. Uh, Feeling pretty good today. It is definitely hot in here, but I'm not going to be taking off all of my clothes. I may take a muscle relaxer of some sort. Uh, I'm certainly taking a sip of this hazy IPA. I've just taken a bong load of some very fantastic herbals, and I'm ready to get into the docket with you again, as always. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Well, that's great. Let's just let's
1: get right to it because a uh, lot's going Man. on
2: this week actually on the docket. Let's go right to it. Uh leading off today, uh, this is a story we're following up on because that's what we do here at Down Ballot. It should be our motto other than the thing you heard before the theme song tonight. Uh <laughs> Uh, Concord High School, uh, there were some concerns uh, about them continuing on with the, the mascot of the Minutemen. There were some uh, some woke folks in the neighborhood who thought that they might want to think about changing that. Um, but the uh, anti-wokes uh, appear to have won out. <laughs> so the Minutemen will continue, and we're going to learn more about it from KTVU.
3: A decision has been made for the Concord High School mascot controversy. The school will keep its Minutemen mascot, even though some parents and students say it's offensive. The mascot is named after Revolutionary War Soldiers, and its logo shows a man holding a gun. Now, a resolution to switch to the Bears failed to pass in a school board meeting Wednesday. The proposed mascot change would have reportedly cost at least $200,000. Rawr.
1: Boy, I no sure worries. I sure, am glad all those... Uh... All those people from Concord who uh, fought in the fucking Revolutionary War aren't having their memory dishonored by the Seriously. name being
2: changed. I hope I hope they f- don't feel like they're being erased. Um, uh, now that's very good that they have been seen by the school board. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know what th- to say about this other than you know um, when it comes to the push and shove between parents and students or parents and activists or parents in the broader community uh, or parents slash alumni, parents are gonna win out almost every time when it comes to school boards. Uh, They know where their bread is buttered. They know who votes in school board elections. Um, It ain't the people that don't have kids. It ain't the people that send their kids to private school. Um, It's the parents in their schools. So uh, if they are upset, then they've gotta be appeased or you're not gonna have your cushy little school board job much longer. Um, so as much as we'd like to maybe see some, some movement in one direction, um, they're always going to be pulling in the other one. But that that being said, is the Minuteman the most offensive of all the, the offensive mascots out there? Probably no. not, right? Um, no. And even not even the most violent one, right? There's probably, there's many, like the Sharks, I would say the Sharks logo is incredibly violent, right? Um, when you think about it. So I don't know that a, a, a white dude from 200 th- years ago holding a musket that is not an automatic weapon, by the way, <laughs> or semi-automatic um takes like a minute to reload uh i, I don't find that i mean I, again i'm a white male uh straight dude here in san jose but I, I don't find that as offensive necessarily as the next mascot
1: i wonder who has a higher body count uh sharks or uh white men with guns
2: <laughs> well honestly i, I mean they, they say that the accuracy on those muskets is dreadful right and like you see these the, you hear about these duels where like I think Hamilton and Burr shot at each other like two or three times each, right before they finally, Burr finally hit Hamilton. So it's not as though that they're very, they're very accurate in the first place. So I would probably put my money on the shark, honestly. Um, and you hear about shark attacks all the time, maybe not with death involved, but certainly getting some, getting some chunk.
1: Oh, I, I would say white men with guns have probably a higher body count than sharks. <laughs> Although, if we're only are we are we counting human bodies? Because if we're not, if we're counting cool. just all bodies, then yeah, sharks.
2: Oh well, I, I was sort of thinking of musketeers, like specifically. If we're talking about all white men in history with guns, yeah, then I think that they've got more bodies on them for sure by a long shot. I'm just thinking the musket's really hard to reload. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's why they had a. That's why a lot of them had the the sword at the end of them
2: or whatever, because that was might be the what bayonet. you end up using. <laughs> the bayonet, yeah. And I'm, and I'm sorry, I should not be laughing. It's that's not, a, but at the same time, that's sort of why we're here in the show. So yeah, that's sort um, of anyway. Why we're here. Exactly. So uh, the Minutemen will keep marching on, and we will keep uh, looking for the next mascot change, uh, which is, I'm sure coming to a school near you. So be on the lookout, read your emails. All
1: right. Well, we get next. We're going to winners and losers. This is the uh, segment where uh, there usually are no winners, but if anybody does win, it's usually who you don't want to win. Our first story is uh, it's about a uh, California and uh, potential rep- reparations for uh, Black Californians. Let's see what uh, NBC Bay Area says about it.
4: California made history today. A state task force released its final list of proposed reparations for African Americans. The final report is more than a thousand pages and includes more than 100 recommendations from a formal apology to monetary compensation. NBC Barry Scott Budman joins us now with a closer look at California's effort to atone for generations of racial disparity. And Scott, tell us more about the details
1: in this 1,000. 000- when she said Scott Budman joins us, I'm like, Scott Budman's going to be like, I am here with a black. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Well, Janelle, after two years of discussion, the final report includes more than 100 specific recommendations, including recommendations on a formal apology from the state. But much of the discussion is centered around recommendations for monetary compensation. And while the report does not include specific dollar amount, it does contain a method to determine who would be paid if the state approves the plan.
6: I'm going to stay in the struggles until America is redeemed,
7: and the day will come when all of us will be able to say I'm black and I'm proud.
5: Pastor Amos Brown of San Francisco's Third Baptist Church was among those who spoke passionately about reparations to atone for past race-based disparities, housing discrimination, land seizure, and other harms done to black Californians.
8: And we're going to read, and we're going to make sure that our descendants will
9: be able to consult this great document and see the evidence that this state has committed the crime against
7: black folks and it's time for them to pay their crime bill. Effective today, we're making our brothers and sisters whole.
10: We have been on the battlefield fighting against principalities and things that we cannot see in order to force this system to do right by descendants of enslaved people for the generational harm that has been inflicted upon us.
5: While not specifying a dollar amount, the task force recommends monetary compensation to individuals who can trace their history to ancestors who were enslaved in the US or a free black person living in America prior to 1900. The metric would provide an estimated $1.8 million to the state's oldest qualifying black residents. In total, the task force recommended more than 115 policy reforms.
10: So it is also my hope that the task force general efforts strengthen the movement for global repertory justice for people of African descent.
5: The recommendations now go to the California legislature, who will decide what to approve. And Camilla Moore, the chair of the task force, who you just heard from, also addressed the fact that today's final report did coincide with the Supreme Court's decision to strike down race-conscious college admissions. Moore tweeted out today that the task force reparation recommendations are not race-based, but rather based on lineal dissent. The legislature is now expected to begin discussing the recommendations in the coming months.
1: Back to you.
2: So it wasn't entirely like you thought it was going to be going to Scott Budman, but it was, it was kind of like that. Yeah, sort of.
1: But, um, I mean, we, you know, I'm, I'm generally for, uh, reparations. I think that, you know, if Germany was able to do it, kind of lickety split right after world war two, I figure we, we could do it after all this time. Um, you know, I don't know what the answers are, but maybe it's not my job to decide that maybe, you know, maybe the, these task forces are the people
2: who are, um, it's their job to decide that. Yeah. I mean, a thousand page document, nothing to sniff at. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in your camp as well. I lean towards reparations being a, a good thing. Um, and what those get figured out certainly not, certainly should not be up to me. Um, I do think that we, if, uh, you know, after we get this done, right. Um, we should also think about reparations for, uh, Japanese Americans, uh, who are interned during World War II, if we haven't already, um, Uh, Filipino-Americans who were uh, not enslaved, but certainly indentured um, through our colonialism. Um, And really, really, if we really want to go there, we should really take a deep dive into American colonialism and see what can be done systemically to um, improve the uh, the quality of life, improve the future for the folks that we have uh, colonized um, and subjugated. But I, I also, you know, let's put aside the money is... I think fabulous, it's life-changing, it's, it's, it's family-altering in some ways, but let's put that aside for a second and also think about the systemic policy and legal changes that could come from the recommendations that were made and, and really think about how um, some of those can are gonna mean wealth and or expanded opportunities for wealth over time right? for, for African Americans and people of African descent, descendants of slaves. So um, I think it's important to think about this holistically and not just simply focus on the dollar amount, but that's what the folks who oppose it are going to focus on, right? And try to say, "Oh, they're taking your money and giving it to you know you white men. They're taking your money and they're giving it to the black people. Um, isn't that isn't that awful? Aren't shouldn't they earn their keep?" Um, that's what you're going to hear when as this is debated. Um, the, the legislature, I think, could approve it. Frankly, like the, we have a really strong democratic legislature. Um, But there's going to be a lot of there going to be a lot of loud voices out there uh, in opposition. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but um, I'm hopeful. And I, you know, with the money,
1: I think, you know, I think we're going to, we would, we're probably going to, if, if the money happens, we're probably going to see some pretty inspiring and awesome s- stories of what individuals decide to do with the money. You know, it, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's going to all be stories of paying off the credit card bill or, you know, buying a house. I think we're going to see stories of, you know, people getting together, uh, uh, forming fa- like foundations to do charitable work and so i think that i think that the money is a big important part and i think we're going to be pretty surprised by the uh, uh the generosity that happens subsequent to the money if we do see the money
2: i think you're, that that's inspired producer dave i think that bet might have a, a you might want to pitch them a a, sh- a reality show about this like they could do a weekly you know every, just different story every week what did you do with the money right
1: uh, oh, I'm the uh-uh. You, you're going to send some white guy around to ask what you did with your reparation money? Get the oh, fuck no, out no, of here! i no, not.
2: <laughs> I don't think it would be you going around. I just think you pitched them the idea. You make your you make your reparations money. You walk away, and then yeah. you, and you and you let like uh you let someone go, like Spike Lee or whoever you know go out there. I, okay, that's probably too easy of one, but uh, but uh, I, Jordan I do Peele. think let Jordan, Jordan Peele go out there and do it, right? But I, I do think we're gonna you know see some pretty
1: if this if this goes through, we're gonna and the and the money aspect of it you know is there. We're gonna. We're going to just see some of the coolest stories of, you know, four or five, four or five friends, you know, get together and, you know, prop up, you know, completely fix a community center in their area or put one where there should be one or, you know, start, start housing the the homeless. I mean, we're going to see, you know, art installations. We're going to see all kinds of shit. It's not Mm going to be just people taking the money and spending it on themselves. I can guarantee it.
2: I mean, a lot of—I mean, a lot of folks will put it away too, like save it, invest it, right? That's really the idea of having wealth, right? Is to, is to grow it over time, right? So it, it it produces more wealth. Um, that's why we've, that's why, uh, that's why people have been able to dominate for so long, right? We just our our wealth—we don't have to work very hard to accrue wealth and power. Um, yeah, generational wealth, so. right? So we're so you know we're the. We're the self-proclaimed winners but really we're the losers because we've been keeping people, other folks down for a long time um we've got a, folks these same folks can be winners in this situation um and we'll see if the losers in the state legislature <laughs> will approve the uh the the largesse that um is being um uh and the recommendations that are being placed before them so, so we'll our see. next story but, nope.
1: is is surprise surprise uh, the beautiful county of santa cruz which has some of the most beautiful mountains and like as if if you get off of that out of the boardwalk area the beaches are pretty nice too it happens to be expensive to live there if you could imagine that
2: no shit yeah
4: San Francisco has a reputation for being one of the most expensive places in the country to live, but it turns out not as expensive as Santa Cruz County. It just landed at number one on the out-of-reach report. Now, it looked at the gap between wages and rent costs and found a person working a full-time job would need to make $63.33 an hour to afford a two-bedroom apartment in Santa Cruz County. Okay, so just for reference, California's minimum wage is $15. Fifty an hour. So our Devin Feely has more on the trickle-down effect of the struggle to stay afloat.
7: At first blush, you say there's no way that Santa Cruz can be as expensive as San Francisco or Silicon Valley to live. But according to this new study, when you really look at what people earn versus what they're expected to pay in rent, Santa Cruz begins to stack up as one of the most expensive places in the Bay Area to live. It's clear why people come to Santa Cruz to live, but a new study by the National Low Income Housing Coalition makes plain why many struggle to stay.
11: Recently, I've noticed the prices have just gone way up.
7: Brianna Heredia is a recent Cal grad and an avid surfer. She loves Santa Cruz and spends as much time as she can in the surf. But back on dry land, she says she and her boyfriend struggle financially to keep their heads above water.
11: It was almost $5,000 for a two bedroom, which is just crazy especially for people our age to try and even imagine affording something like that.
7: The coalition study found that Santa Cruz County narrowly edged out San Francisco as one of the most expensive and least affordable places to live in the state and country. In California statewide the study found that renters would have to work almost three full-time minimum wage jobs to make rent for a two-bedroom apartment and that number was more than four minimum wage jobs for a single apartment in Santa Cruz. But there's a lot of low-wage workers that don't earn
9: enough to afford a two-bedroom apartment. They don't afford enough even to afford a one-bedroom or a studio apartment.
7: Andrew Oren is the coalition's research director. He says the study is in many ways a pain index and that more money spent on rent means less for everything else. Low-income families that spend more than half
12: of their income on rent,
9: they spend less on food they pay less or they spend less on educational activities for their children they just spend less money on other necessities just to be able to to afford the roof over their heads
7: brianna says she's going to stick it out for as long as she can making the rent is tough and the dream of home ownership she says is a distant ship on the horizon ever receding with the time
11: i would love to live here i would love to be able to buy a home here because I love it here and I want to surf every day. And to have a home here is like a dream of mine, but I don't know how I could make that happen.
7: According to the authors of this study, when it comes to people at the bottom rungs of the economic ladder, they say the math just doesn't pencil out for developers and property owners. And they say there's gonna to have to be some kind of meaningful intervention from the feds, the state, cities or counties, if you truly want to increase the supply of affordable housing.
4: So we looked into it, agricultural workers moving to urban areas, a growing student population at UC Santa Cruz, the tech boom, and more short-term rentals may have all played a role in driving up prices. And here is a look at some other Bay Area cities the survey compared to Santa Cruz. Renters in San Francisco need to make $61.31 an hour. It'll take $56.56 to make rent in and around San Jose, $46.25 in the Oakland area, and $45.92 per hour in Napa
1: that's wild but <clears throat> I I knew Santa Cruz was unaffordable I mean I I know people who own houses there who are you know I know a guy who owns a house kind of pretty close to the pretty close to the the um like to Sea cliff and uh he was like I could never buy this house like like I did when I bought it it's like he's like you know he was like on an engine just an engineer's salary he's like I could never buy this house now he's like but back then it was
2: wasn't easy but it was you know he's like i did it yeah it was santa cruz it was like oh santa cruz right um yeah, it's time that's different time and, and different world um so this is it sounds like you said it's not surprising if you've been to santa cruz um, and you and you've uh, been around a bit um it's also like you have to think about cost of living too it's not just the rent in santa cruz then it's like the you know you can't just go to get you know um, Bread at the store, right? You you got to go to the artisanal cupcake shop, right, <laughs> and get, get like the the ten dollar loaf of bread. So it's it's not as though um, other things in Santa Cruz are cheap, right? Um, so it, it just it compounds, it compounds, and um, yeah, the young lady's right. There's just no way people in her generation or ours, frankly, are going to be able to uh, truly afford that kind of uh, rent. Um, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not making. Whatever sixty bucks an hour or whatever they're talking about. I don't know about Jupiter's Dave, but um, I, mean, good, I know you're especially making especially
1: good bucks. an especially good
2: hour. Sure, right. I mean, I'm, I know you're making huge dollars off of this show and and all of the <laughs> the work we do on Echo Media and we put in all the work you put in there. So um, anyway, uh, well, um, I then we'll see we'll see what happens in, in Santa Cruz. Hopefully, this is not a sign of things to come with just the uh, in, on the affordability crisis spreading everywhere, but it is. And it's something we have to deal with. And local governments are going to have to get real about building more housing because that's the only way we're going to, you know, it's the only way you bring down demand and cost is by producing more inventory. And there's just not a lot of inventory out there in the sale or rental market. And that's what's driving up the price. So
1: That, there you go. <clears throat> that and there's a lot of uh, properties that just sit vacant. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a, That doesn't help either. You
1: know what they do in some European countries? They start fining the, the property owner for like not renting it out or living in it. Like if it's in a city there, there's, you know, of course, obviously there's people who have vacation homes in places that the housing isn't like impacted because people just vacation there. But like in, you know, in some big cities in Northern Europe, you're, you better rent that house out. (laughs) You better rent that apartment out. You know what I'm saying? If you're the, if you own it, you better rent it out or, or you're, I mean, the, the, some of I was, I was reading somewhere that the fines were, you know, hundreds of dollars a day or the equivalent of hundreds of dollars a day after a certain amount of time, if you haven't rented your property out. And right. I think, you know, that's not gonna solve the problem, but that might, you know, doing something like that here might relieve some of the pressure,
2: you know? Right. And it's really just these folks are sitting on it as an investment, right? They don't have to pay a whole lot in property tax probably because maybe it was in the family and they just had it, for, sorry, for a very long time. Um, and they're holding onto it because it's a solid investment because property values don't go down over time. No matter if there's a boom or a bust over the long haul, property values go up, especially in California. Um, so they're doing, smart thing business-wise but to that point there are actually proposals or there at least there's a movement uh underfoot uh, or afoot uh in san jose and other local cities to institute fines laws like that you know anti-vacancy anti uh uh you know boarded up window policies right anti-broken window policies um anti-blight policies so for for residences and for businesses um so we'll see what comes of that and we'll certainly follow up on down ballot when when something does happen
1: so You know one you know you know how it is on twitter right i brought that up on twitter and somebody's like well you know what if what if you don't have the you know the wherewithal to go through the problem trouble of being a landlord i was like you idiot i'm like don't you know there are companies that do that for you like you give them a certain amount of the rent and they manage the fucking property for you they're called a property management company and if at all possible if you're renting, you should find a place with a property management company, not a not a, a personal landlord, especially not a personal landlord who's very interested in the property, <laughs> <laughs> because those people are annoying. The property management yes. company isn't gonna isn't gonna screw you over. They gotta, they're gonna follow the law of the letter, and they're gonna be on top of maintenance, and they're going because they want to have a good reputation on both sides, on the tenant side and on the on the the the, the capital side. But yeah, yeah it's like. I don't understand like if you if if I had a house somewhere like that was just given to me well at first I'd probably just fucking sell it right cuz I was like somebody else should live in this and somebody should own this but if I decided to rent it out I wouldn't rent it myself I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm gonna sign all the paperwork, but I don't know that shit. I'd be like, where's a property management company? And I'd be like, Hey, don't don't jack the rent up on my tenants, please.
2: Yeah, who needs who needs all that headache, right? And plus with the property management company, like you said, they're doing it right. Like if, if they're gonna come over, you probably get a call or a text or an email at least that says, Hey, we're coming by in, you know, twenty four hours to do whatever. Um, you know, just letting you know. The last one uh, would we- call
1: and say, Oh, you know, we we need to come by within the, you know, we're giving you twenty four hours notice. And I would just say, You just come whenever because they were the, the, the maintenance people were just incredibly respectful and nice people. So I didn't care, but like, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you gotta, you get some asshole that owns the house and is like, no, I need to come by and
2: inspect the house. Oh, they just come. They don't even knock. They just unlock yeah. the door and walk right in. It's like, um, hey, excuse me. <laughs> I have yeah, had yeah. that happen. Like the landlord just walked right in. Like, I'm like, dude, I'm hearing my, no, I'm not naked or nothing, but I'm sitting there in my shorts and, you know, tank top or whatever. It's hot. And I'm watching a baseball game and got my pork rinds out. You know, it's like, I don't need that. No, that noise. Just walking right in at least knock and put some pants right. on. And you um, know, <clears throat> most of the time, if you have
1: a decent relationship with your tenants or whatever, you, you, they're they'll just you would be like hey i want to you know i'm going to check the smoke alarms you know yeah
2: come on by dude replace or, and, them and, please and, you i, I want to make sure i don't if, die
1: if you have a decent relationship you can be like hey actually you know i've kind of got a date over can you can we do this tomorrow
2: yeah. i'm entitled to 24 hours anyway yeah yeah if yeah you have a very decent relationship like you know hey can you put a smoke detector in this other room that you weren't going to do one like i yeah. <laughs> could use them the <laughs> but bathroom. yeah like I, I i smoke my weed in the bathroom is that cool <laughs> no smoke detectors generally don't detect cannabis smoke
1: anyway we're kind of That's we're true. kind of we're, we've headed off into narnia now let's we get have, back and in, we have, let's we get have back to- into the bay area here we have a community packs uh packed meeting on gang violence in
2: santa rosa yeah as you can see it's packed like to the gills there's it's standing room only <laughs>
7: This is the 10 o'clock news
2: on KTVU,
5: Fox 2. A string of violent gang-related crimes involving teenagers in Santa Rosa leads to a packed house at a crime prevention meeting. It's not tonight. a packed house.
13: The community is, no.
5: responds. We
3: need to pull together as a community, strengthen this community, grow this community, and no longer pass the blame.
5: The meeting comes just hours after police announced multiple arrests in connection to two deadly gang-related shootings. Good evening, everyone. I'm Mike
12: Niebeck.
4: And I'm Julie Hainer. Police say one of those suspects just 14 years old. New at 10 tonight, KTVU's Alyssa Harrington was at tonight's meeting. She joins us now live from Santa Rosa with the latest. Alyssa.
14: Well, Julie, Mike, there have been five homicides in Santa Rosa this year, four believed to be linked to gang violence. Tonight, city leaders and members of the public met to try to get to the root of this problem and come up with solutions
12: and it was a wake up call.
14: Gang violence was the main topic at a crime prevention meeting in Santa Rosa Tuesday night that brought together police, city council members, violence prevention groups, and concerned members of the public.
3: This is a tragedy
2: that's bringing us here, but what I've seen from my experience is also a moment of opportunity for us that we can come
7: together.
14: Police chief John Cregan said early prevention is one of the keys. The latest homicides involved juveniles. Over the past 10 days, two 15-year-olds were killed. Teens as young as 14 were arrested, and both incidents appear to be gang-related. Earlier this year, on March 1st, a 16-year-old was stabbed and killed during a fight at Montgomery High School. My
7: heart is really filled with sorrow over the last three uh, homicides that involved uh,
1: three of our children in our community. And that's not okay. Uh, we all have a responsibility to work together.
14: Police made seven arrests in these latest shootings and just announced the arrest of the alleged shooter in one of the cases, 21-year-old Kobe Benjamin from Santa Rosa. Lieutenant Christopher Maheran said he fled to Las Vegas after gunning down the young victim in a parking lot of an apartment complex on June 16th.
15: Las Vegas Metro Police
1: were able to locate that suspect and take him into custody. So he's now in jail in Las Vegas, waiting
16: extradition to come back to Sonoma County.
14: The chief said they can't arrest their way out of the problem, so the city is crafting new violence prevention efforts. This includes having a full-time gang crime team and working with youth schools and parents.
10: Our staff has been out in the neighborhoods tracking graffiti
0: as well to see what what messages are being written out
14: there. Officials said some of the incidents start as fights on school campuses between rival gangs.
1: We've always had a gang issue especially since the early 2000s. Um, in particular between Norteños and Serranos are the most common gangs that we have in Sonoma County and again those are the two gangs that have been fighting within the last couple of weeks and we're seeing those tensions rise.
14: Police say they're also trying to get illegal firearms off the streets, including ghost guns, and so far this year have confiscated 125. Reporting live in Santa Rosa, I'm Alyssa Harrington, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Yeah,
4: when you have kids as young as 14 and 15 involved, it's just um, a heartbreaking story. Alyssa, thank you.
2: Sam, it sounds pretty safe up there unless you're a teenager, I guess. I guess. I mean, what happened to the adult gangs? Um, but I, you know, they get them young. That's the whole point, right? Uh, I, I personally did not realize that Santa Rosa was such a hotbed of gang activity. It seemed like a at, at first, Blanche, this story seemed like a, an example of uh, much do about not so much with your friendly white neighbors um, and Mister Eyebrows, who's running for city council. Obviously, talking about it coming together didn't really like get me rolling in the right in, in a different direction. But yeah, it seems like you know they, that's a, that's that's problematic to have three teen homicides, um, in, in a short amount of time. So, um, yeah, let's hope maybe this should be under the get their get your shit together, but that'd be kind of disrespectful, but let's hope they get their shit together and, and, um, get to get a handle on this, but it just goes to show that ga- uh, gang, violence and violence in general, it, it strikes every community. It doesn't matter how suburban or urban it is.
1: And, uh, it seems like it, at least the cop was like, at least like the police chief was making the right kinds of noises, Right. He's like, we're not going to mm-hmm. arrest our way out of this problem. That doesn't mean that's yeah. that doesn't mean they're not going to fucking try
2: anyway, <laughs> right? Like, it, it, I mean that that you're right, but that's a, yeah, it's a loaded statement. It's like, well, at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to arrest our way out of this, problem <laughs> we're sure <laughs> as fuck going to try to. <laughs> but we're going to try. All,
1: we're sure going to try all day anyway. <laughs> but the 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 person uh-huh. who the the one of the the lady who was saying, hey, you know, we should kind of be keeping an eye on what the graffiti is saying. Um, I don't know that much about it, but I do understand that there are messages being sent and threats being sent sometimes using uh tags you know, i wouldn't yeah. call it graffiti because graffiti is art this is tags big. tags and vandalism tags. yeah yeah because yeah. graffiti yeah, some, yeah. So you ever seen some of that graffiti in oakland i don't know tag or yeah. vandalism oh my no, god
2: not at all if, if uh, I have a real quick movie recommendation for anyone who's into some nice old school movie action um from the like, early 80s uh wild style wild with a with a y instead of an i wild style check that out it's a great movie it's a it's a semi-documentary about um graffiti artists in new york city um it's fantastic fantastic if you can if you can tolerate the the the, the loosely knit plot <laughs> and just foc- focus on the the art it's fun um so check it out wild style my recommendation for this week so speaking of the inner city uh
1: here we're going to move to sunnyvale um here's a apparently somebody was died at, somebody was either killed or died at a house party in sunnyvale that happened at an
2: airbnb um yeah there was a shooting of some sort but i i, I this is sort of new to me too i hadn't heard it when this first hit so airbnb is not great no,
1: it's, it's a little scary it's not it's not great for all kind of reasons well, that's true.
4: Hello, I'm Juliette Goodrich. Sarah has the night off tonight. Ahead of okay. the holiday weekend and large summer gatherings, one Bay Area family is hoping their story can prevent the type of tragedy that took their son's life. The 18-year-old was killed in 2021 when gunfire erupted at an Airbnb party in Sunnyvale. And while a suspect was arrested a short time later, the victim's grieving parents told our Sean Chitnis they believe there are more groups at fault here.
9: His future is just cut short. It's a bright future. He's a bright kid. The parents of Elias Elhania say the Northside Branch Library in Santa Clara was one of his favorite places. So on a recent visit almost two years since his death, they brought mementos like a book Elias loved to read and this card he made for his mother when he was much younger. His father visited the library many times even after Elias was killed. I used to come every single day and sit there, and I can see him next to me. Back in 2021, Elias was at a house party in Sunnyvale. He was shot and later died from his injuries. It's illegal to host an event at a short-term rental, but someone booked the home where up to 200 people showed up, mostly minors drinking alcohol.
1: Bring all the memories again. It's not easy. It's painful
9: really painful. So the family is working with an attorney on a lawsuit against Airbnb and the property owner. Elias's parents believe both are responsible for his death. They say that property should have never been listed and if the host of that site was there that night which is required in Sunnyvale, this never would have happened. I saw all of the aftermath with my own eyes. Sunnyvale City Council member Russ Melton remembers that night. Russ. It was just two blocks away from his home. This was a traumatic event, and we heard a lot from the community, not only about what happened on the night,
5: but sort of, you know, what's the deal with short-term rentals in Sunnyvale? Um, so that was a topic that City Council took very, very seriously.
9: Well, Melton is supportive of the family and their fight to get also- justice for their son's death, he says Airbnb and other platforms have improved the process since the shooting. Melton believes that short-term rentals are properly enforced in his city. The council recently voted not to spend any more money on the issue because they believe the system is working.
5: We've taken action, we take this seriously, and I feel like we have a solid grip on the situation.
9: When revisiting his favorite spots around town, Elias' parents feel his presence.
0: I can see him everywhere, and I, I can hear him talking to me, and i talk to him
10: just like I used to. His
9: smile is always with him since he was a baby, until he, his last days. He's always smiling no matter what.
10: It's it's really hard to, to
9: bury your own son at this age. A mother and father hoping to prevent more illegal listings from showing up online.
10: The circumstances
11: shows that it could be Avoided, it could be prevented,
12: and it, I don't want no other family to go to go through what we're going through. We don't want anybody, anybody, on this earth,
9: to suffer. The loss of their kids. A way to honor the memory of their son years after they lost him.
4: It is such a heartbreaking story. So I guess you have to ask, what did Airbnb have to say, or have they?
9: right so of course we reached out to the company many times mm-hmm. to try to get them to comment on this story they did not want to but they did give us a statement that they issued just two days after that shooting back in 2021 here's what it says in part Airbnb bans parties and we condemn the senseless gun violence that took place in Sunnyvale we are working with the Sunnyvale Department of Public Safety to offer our assistance with their investigation
4: yeah so you've got three players in this we have Airbnb we have the property owner and then we have the actual renter so who is ultimately ultimately responsible
9: so the family would say their lawsuit is trying to figure that out it of Mm -hmm. course names airbnb and the property owner but the lawyer tells us that they actually don't know who the renter is yet and they are looking to figure that out
4: Okay. So did the property owner who actually put the listing on Airbnb have anything to say about this?
9: We reached out, of course. Okay. The property owner's lawyer said that they do not want to comment at this time, but we need to mention that the city of Sunnyvale has its own lawsuit that does mention the property owner. They, of course, have their policy on short-term rentals. The property owner needs to be on site, but the city's lawsuit does not mention Airbnb.
4: All right. Well, we appreciate you, you bringing this to light, especially as we head into the holiday weekend. Sean Chitness, thank you, Sean.
1: Very detailed. So more of these, I think cities should just fucking outlaw Airbnb. I don't think this story is like the main reason, but the, these things are like, these are like, <clears throat> like somebody was able to rent like a house for a night or two nights and throw a party for a bunch of miners who were then drinking and, and smoking weed. Right. I mean, like, <clears throat> this is of course in addition to the fact that this a lot of people you know will purchase a property or even rent a property and then put it on airbnb and not even fucking live there right which drives up the price of uh, housing for everybody and speaking um, of our previous story yeah and i think that uh yeah i just I, i think the idea that your house is a hotel has been has shown to cause a lot of uh problems
2: well it does no matter I mean it did before Airbnb, right? <laughs> I, think, I think if anything, the only reason Airbnb has been adopted so readily is because it's just it makes it easier. Like you said, it's like a property manager. You're still doing the work, a lot of it, but it's like having a system, a property management system for your, your rental, right? Your short term rental. Um I yeah, I know I agree. I, I think that they're they are part of the problem and something needs to be done. Cities are regulating them, but no one not many have outright banned them. Um or at least they've banned maybe the activity that they make their most money off of, so it makes it like financially unviable for them to be in certain cities, but um, there aren't; those are few and far between. In this case, um, I hate to say it, but you know, Airbnb is the last entity that's gonna pay for this, right? And again, it's gonna, and it's gonna uh, have any any sort of consequences from this, they're the last ones. Because well, and, they're- And to be fair, have, I mean,
1: to be fair, they're kind of last in line, if you ask me anyway. Um. The yeah, first, yeah. I mean, first they, in line is obviously the shooter. Second in line is the person who who threw the party, and then the third in line is the person who put the thing up on Airbnb because the city states that the
2: owner has to be there if they're right. So, and there's two things here. There's there's the criminal case which which may still be being it's still being investigated. Right, like who shot this kid? Right, right. Um, that's the criminal case everything else we're talking about is a civil case or a civil suit where it's you know it's it's really it's the, the burden of proof is not as high um and it's really about feelings sometimes um but it's also about like like you said like you know who legally who is responsible even if it's not their criminal responsibility right who who allowed this who was negligible and allowed this to happen yeah and it'll come out of the property owner with the city and uh, the renter um with uh, you know the police and 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 any sort of accomplice Action, but yeah, Airbnb will not be paying, and they will not yeah. be getting. Uh, they will not be getting uh, uh, have any consequences from this at all. And they have an entire legal department that they pay very well to make sure that they didn't anyway. But they are last in line, like you said.
1: And I mean that that that's fine that they're last in line. I don't think they'll, you know, I don't think they'll suffer any consequences. And I don't see Sunnyvale banning uh, Airbnbs anytime soon because Sunnyvale, the the Sunnyvale is uh, one of those places that's kind of a run by the sorts of people who have the disposable income to maybe buy a house for uh to to have be an airbnb instead of uh instead of like a place where people uh were living when uh hk the the co-host of uh intellectual dollar tree lived in sunnyvale he didn't know he lived in a single family home and he didn't meet anybody any of his neighbors that owned their houses they were all renters
2: and so Hmm. it's sunnyvale the housing market's pretty fucked up anyway and so there are more yeah, sorry there are more renters now on the council uh the city council um so russ there is not representative i think of the full city council now it's gotten younger it's gotten more progressive um, and there are at least two renters on the seven person council now so that's nice um so and they are moving that way but yeah it's it's sunnyville <laughs> i don't think that they're gonna be banning airbnb anytime soon no, um I mean... and again airbnb would drop their lobbying machine like a bomb on these folks and it would they would never know what hit them and in some cases, I mean, I think we may be headed towards a some sort of ballot measure that they they front to you know secure their business for the long term at the state level. Because so that's what you do in California when you're a big corporation and you don't like what little cities are doing. You just go get some signatures, put it on the ballot, and get your shit state bona fide, And that way, no cities can fuck with you at all. So that may be where they go after this. I don't know how much money Airbnb has in the bank, but um, that'd be where I that'd be what I do if I was them.
1: You know, prior, prior to all this, you could still rent a room in what was essentially a house for short term. They were like a lot of bed and breakfast, bed and breakfasts and stuff. It was, uh, you just have to go look for a bed and breakfast. And, you know, I mean, famously in the Castro, Dennis Perone has run a a bud and breakfast basically for as long as he's lived there. And Mm -hmm. I've stayed there. It's, it's great. Um, I would actually, I, I would hate to see that turn
2: into like an Airbnb. Yeah. Um, a lot of it comes out of the property owners and private business, but, uh, business decisions, but yeah, there's a lot that governments can do, um, to regulate and have done and and they can do more. So let's, let's keep the heat on them to do more. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we get into campaign season here in, in San Jose and elsewhere in the coming months. Well, up right. next is uh, another fireworks story. Oh my god! More illegal shit. More illegal shit in San Jose. Basically, let's let's see what happened. This is sort of following up on what happened with the the big fire that they thought was fireworks, and lo and behold, it was fireworks. <laughs> Imagine that! Imagine that!
3: New we doing a major illegal fireworks discovery in San Jose. KTV's Ann Rubin joins us live with just how many pounds of fireworks were recovered. That was part of an investigation into a fire store, a fire at a storage facility earlier this month. Ann.
11: Yeah, authorities say it was that investigation into a storage unit fire back in June that led to the confiscation of all those fireworks and to two arrests. Now the fire happened on June 14th and it was massive. It was engulfed the public storage facility on Blossom Hill Road in San Jose. Authorities believe it was either started by or exacerbated by a huge amount of illegal fireworks. An investigation by the police department's assaults unit identified two suspects, Anthony De Silva and Nathaniel Velasquez. Further search warrants then turned up about 38,000 pounds of illegal fireworks, as well as methamphetamine, cocaine, marijuana, cash, and at least one semi-automatic firearm. The boxes of fireworks filled storage units in other buildings at that same facility.
12: I'm proud of the San Jose Police Department's assaults unit. 38,000 pounds of illegal fire is a significant amount. I would say it is the largest in San Jose and one of the largest in California. Uh, 38,000 pounds are no longer on the streets of San Jose. That's one child that doesn't lose a hand and hopefully one house that doesn't burn down.
2: 38,000 pounds one house
11: custody yesterday big and house been booked into the big jail. fucking house authorities say the investigation is ongoing as well as a separate arson investigation that's being conducted by the fire department andre
3: ruben, and ruben first live and thank
1: i wonder how you <clears throat> like how do you safely transport 38,000
2: pounds of explosives like it's it's tenuous right like uh, we didn't we have did we have the story of, uh on down ballot maybe we didn't of the the exploding you know uh bomb truck in or pd bomb truck in los angeles right they went to dispose of a explosive and the freaking bomb truck exploded <laughs> or the 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 thing that was supposed to encase it right that exploded and a bunch of houses got burned um yeah i don't know how you you safely do that and how do you quantify all that anyway. And plus there was so much that got, if, if this was the same case with the fire, like how much was destroyed in the fire, right? Like, oh my God, we're talking like 50,000 50, pounds of fireworks. So uh, I mean, they I mean, they're all
1: in individual boxes. I guess you
2: just do it in a bunch of trips, right? Like with a bunch of. Is like, it all, like, was it all illegal fireworks or were there, were there like snakes mixed in there or like, you know, sparklers? Um oh, or was that. it all just like M80s and, and rockets and, and whatnot? That's a good question, but
1: you get enough of that stuff together and it kind of doesn't matter, honestly, you know? The world's biggest snake,
2: like that South Park episode. (laughs) Oh, my God. Those things were so lame. I remember like, let's light the snake. And then you look and you light it and dad lights it or mom lights it and you're looking at it and you're like, go, go, go. And it's like just a little turd, just like a little (laughs) turd growing out of the fucking ground and burning, like a burning turd. And it's like, well, that's not very fucking exciting. Give me a sparkler. But if the San Jose Police <clears throat> want uh, to uh,
1: dispose of that weed, I would, I would, ha- I would help them with
2: that. Oh, I think that we, I mean, that could be a great job. Um, they, if they really want to, you know, imp- uh, hire more public safety officers, I'd say they can hire the two of us, and we'll, we'll definitely help them, you know, get rid of that awful weed and keep it from getting on the streets and into our, the hands of our children.
1: Oh man! All right. Uh, so well, looks like uh, looks like uh, San Francisco not the city of San Francisco necessarily, but uh, driverless taxis, it looks like they need to get their shit together this week.
2: Correct, we got like two stories about it actually, so let's let's uh, check out what's going on in, uh, in driverless vehicles this week.
1: I'm Ryan Yamamoto.
10: And I'm Elizabeth Cook. We begin with an increasingly familiar sight in the streets of San Francisco, driverless cars. The California Public Utilities Commission was supposed to vote tomorrow on allowing robo-taxis for two of the leading companies, cruz and waymo unlimited expansion on city streets but the vote was pushed back to july 13th
12: that potential expansion is making some first responders a little nervous and jose martinez is live in san francisco with what they're saying jose
2: and right.
8: room, like. well, this is definitely becoming an issue, so city officials are asking companies like Waymo and Cruz to take more time to work with them to have conversations about safety before the state allows this unlimited expansion of the service. Blocking
12: emergency, medical and fire, I gotta get it out of here
8: now. Incidents like this one involving a self-driving car stuck in the middle of an emergency are becoming a headache for city officials. Currently, we just have an escalating number of incidents that are not life-threatening at this moment, but uh, are impeding our ability to respond effectively. Hey, you go, bud. Uh, SF Fire Department Assistant Deputy Chief Darius Lodrop
2: <laughs>
1: said
8: <laughs> it's time there. For companies like Cruz and Waymo to take a break. These cars are in the street um, learning. It's like these cars are in school right now, and we
5: don't feel like they're quite ready to expand to the level they want to expand to.
8: Um, We've asked to kind of get more insight into the process of uh, developing their modes of operation. These concerns come to light as the California Public Utilities Commission gets ready to vote to allow the unlimited expansion of these robo-taxes on public streets. Go give that fucking car a ticket. Experts in vehicle safety, like (laughs) Philip Koopman, say the commission should place more requirements before approving this expansion.
1: These companies deployed without a... It knew to leave when the fucking ticket
2: person came, right? That's that's how it's programmed. See parking enforcement.
1: Public safety services. And so in response, they should improve safety by doing something to stop that disruption.
8: So his suggestion is...
1: The obvious way to do it is to put someone in the vehicles all the time until they can get these problems solved, then take them back out. Uh, but if they have another way to do it, that's fine too, right? All I know is it's not working right now and something needs to change.
8: According to the SFMTA, the number of reported incidents involving crews in Waymo in March and April was almost triple what it was in the prior two months. So three. recommend incremental expansion instead of 24-hour service across the entire city. We reached out to Cruz and Waymo for comments. Waymo responded saying, we navigate and interact with active emergency vehicles, EVs, day and night smoothly. The vast majority of these often challenging and complex encounters have been without issues. Now this pressure, like you both mentioned, is working because this vote was postponed. For july 13. back to you Ryan.
12: all right thanks jose we- um, i just
1: like that the fucking car seemed to, as soon as the person i i want to think that person was coming there to put a ticket on the car <laughs> 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 i know that's probably not what was going on but that's that's that's
2: kind of what it looked like you know the meter person or whatever came up oh for sure we interact with emergency vehicles all day long and when the meter maid comes we run <laughs> <laughs> Waymo. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to hear the next story about specifically about Waymo and a journalist sort of Mr. Toad's wild ride uh, in a Waymo car, but um, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of siding with the RoboCar people on this one. Like, uh, there are so many more accidents and deaths and in serious injuries that are caused by dumbass humans who don't know how to fucking drive um, or just driving drunk or driving uh, without paying attention, driving distracted, or just driving and they're just dumb. Um, and every day people are dying all over the place. And we don't hear about all those incidences unless like it involves like a kid getting run over on the sidewalk, right? Um, so I, I think, again, it's not much to do about nothing. We absolutely should make sure that these vehicles are well-regulated and they're doing everything they should. But it's kind of like disingenuous to say, well, you know, this is not working at all when the humans are causing so much more havoc in these cars. Are we gonna ban cars? That's really what we should be talking about. I mean. I'm with it. Didn't
1: uh, when Jelobi Offro Offro ran for uh mayor of San Francisco, didn't he propose
2: banning uh cars in downtown? 100, percent yeah. Um, so if we're going to talk about you know banning other types of uh you know guns and or or at least controlling guns and controlling who can have guns more, restricting that more, you know, it it, it doesn't take much to get control of a car, right? Like you know, a license doesn't come uh, as hard as it used to. You don't even have to parallel park in your test. I can't believe that. Um, you just have to drive straight, basically, for five seconds, and you get you get a license. Um, so yeah, maybe we should do more looking into the humans that cause fucking accidents rather than the robots. Not that I'm all a fan of AI or robots taking over our jobs. Well, but. <clears throat> let's see what uh, let's see what Susan
1: from the homeowners' association. I'm sorry, uh, what a TV journalist uh, has to say about her uh, ride in <laughs> a, a Waymo self-driving car in San Francisco.
10: My first stop is a random museum and. Maybe I'll go to another stop. Okay, here we go. It says your car is on the way in four minutes. Oh, there it is. I see it. I guess I shouldn't wave because what's the point, right? What's the point? Oh.
2: Why, why wave?
10: I'm here. Oh.
1: It's just stopped in the middle of the road. <laughs>
2: <Federal> <laughs> like, where are you, Ford. bitch? You said you were gonna <laughs> be dressed. It. It Watch it. Watch it drive away now.
10: <laughs> okay.
2: She's probably like, oh, I typed the wrong address. I'm sorry. At the
10: Random Museum. I thought I was going to feel like unsafe because, you know, my life is in this car's hand, the computer. But actually, I feel like really chillax. So, what I do (laughs) like is that it's following the speed limit, so it's very safe. Um, And when it comes to a stop, it does a complete stop, not like a California stop, like we all do. No, like everything, it's something new.
2: We all break the law. Shh.
10: Okay, I think we're stopped. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. All right, right now, there's a green light, and nothing is happening.
2: <laughs> we are stuck. And not only that, we're
10: not even on the left hand side properly. Uh oh. Okay, it says our team is working to get you moving. Uh-oh. It was green it didn't know what to do.
2: So how Uh-oh. can I
10: lie in a car to make the right decisions?
2: When your Uncle Larry may not make the right decisions.
10: We <laughs> Here we go. Woo!
2: Hey, there you go, it's moving Sorry. again. Wow. Hey, Max.
10: We're almost there. Oh, this is weird. This is not where we're going. This is not where the random museum is.
2: Yeah. For your oh. Safety, the doors will remain locked how do you know?
10: so i guess it's a little confused because this is not where the randall museum is
2: oh no i don't
10: know what to do at the moment had there been a driver right here i would have said hey you know you this is the wrong location and i would give them the instructors except that there's instructions there's nobody here right now now i'm going to have to call support and see what i could do because i'm completely at a loss right now um you could have taken the, the bus location where i want to be is over there
0: and it's on the
2: other side of the street. The
10: of <laughs> Connected to rider support.
0: Go ahead and open your Waymo app. Okay, so go ahead and tap
10: on your current drop off. Okay, which is Randall Museum, but it says five minute walk after drop off. Uh,
2: <laughs> I will wait, have you, to go <clears throat> up the hill and
10: wait. around the block. Go to the map to find the location. <sighs> so you'll go ahead. Let me see, hold on
1: you can just walk five minutes confirm
10: it and see what happens
1: i'd be like okay computer here's fine this is enough of this story i don't care that it's like <clears throat> if she was like you know across town and it t- t- took her five minutes a uh, lady sometimes y- if you would have taken the
2: bus it would have been a five minute walk maybe to the museum sure. that, that could have dropped you off right in front who knows um yeah i was just confused like you know google maps or other maps apps get when you're in like a hilly place right and there's a windy road and the address you're going to is like right there but it's like up you know, ten flights of stairs across the street, right? And you can't, it, you're not going to ex- access it that easy. So this happens, but it's like, okay, you you obviously gave this gave the car very confusing directions, and maybe it's your fault, lady. Maybe 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 it's human error. Maybe you didn't put the right address in. Who knows?
1: Yeah, maybe. But somebody in chat just said, "Well, what if they expect her to walk through all those cactuses?"
2: Oh man, painful. Um, she was chillaxed. I'm sure she'd be fine. Yeah, yeah,
1: <clears throat> yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't think there was a problem there. My, I'm more concerned about like the fact that it stopped and got confused and like, cause like you were, you're saying humans are also sharing the road with these cars. And so what's, what I see happening there, if this car just stops at a green light, some
2: human who's not fucking paying attention is going to plow into the thing correct or other humans who are not like really attentive are gonna be like oh what's that and stop as well and then everyone stops and it's freaking chaos right everybody's gonna um, rubberneck neck to be like why isn't this car going anywhere or yeah, well, i mean
1: or someone might try to go around it in a dangerous way and cause an yeah. accident
2: yeah and if and if anyone who's been in tra- and it's just the basic traffic right anyone who's been in traffic knows that traffic is not a function necessarily of Uh, how many cars are on the road or the size of the road or the number of lanes in the road it's the number of dumbasses who don't know how to merge who don't know how to change lanes who hit their brakes when they shouldn't who cause backups because they're just they don't know how to drive and they get into tight spots and they have to maneuver around last minute and that causes backups and backups cause backups and backups cause backups and yeah suddenly there's traffic so uh, yeah, that's that to me is the most annoying factor of it. I don't think anyone's gonna necessarily get you know, die as a result of that, but you're right, like someone could just very easily plow into one of these things while it's not moving. Um or, and I, you know, Yeah, or
1: you know <clears throat> I don't understand like they're like, Oh, let's test these in San
2: Francisco. Right, right. Very good point. Like it's Lombard a it's a Street. It's, that's a, a, a Lombard Street. <laughs> it's it's a
1: pretty challenging, like even for like very good
2: drivers
1: conscientious people who are paying attention and are maybe maybe not from san francisco but are used to driving in traffic they get to san francisco they're like what the fuck
2: right or or like a boston where like you know the blocks are not squares or triangles right and and streets like uh just dead end out of nowhere right like and what do 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 you think think this thing challenging city what do you think this thing would do if it saw a roundabout (laughs) hopefully it would yield to oncoming traffic in the roundabout i don't i would hope but we'll see i maybe I'm guessing they might have programmed it for that, that. There's enough roundabouts out there now, even in San Jose. Roundabouts are great. Uh, well, people, most people don't know what to call them. You and I are uh, using the proper terminology, but I've heard so many different phrases for it that it's obvious people have no idea what they are. Spin my Bob. Spin and Bob, the roundy thing, the circle <laughs> in the street. The street circle, circle. in the street. <laughs> the circles, the street, that was my baby. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the street circle, right? Uh, well, uh, get your shit together. And, and figure it out, self driving cars. Um, but I don't blame you necessarily for for violence and death. Yet we'll see.
1: All right, well, let's move to down ballot watch. This is where we cover stuff that is explicitly uh, political. All, most local issues are political, but this is like definitely like usually involves a mayor or a city council. So we got um the the, the area businesses in the Tenderloin aren't aren't super enthused about the crackdown that's happening uh, by the local and state government let's uh, see let's yeah. see what they have to say about
12: that
2: let's
12: do it san francisco officials now focusing efforts on cracking down on open air drug use governor newsom announcing more law enforcement is on its way to the city's hot spots our betty Yu joins us live with those details betty Ryan, i spoke to
0: one mid-market bar. Bar owner today who says that there's not a day that goes by that he goes to work and doesn't witness drug activity. In fact, he says he's callous to all of it right now, but he says over the years enforcement in this area has come in waves. He hopes that this crackdown will be long lasting. Governor Gavin Newsom announced that he's doubling the number of CHP officers to about 14 to help SFPD in the Tenderloin and Soma neighborhoods.
15: That the taps are, are clean and fresh.
0: Jacob Shibashevsky who owns Fermentation Lab on Market Street, says he's still waiting to see any noticeable change. I'm happy
15: that they're doing something. Um, I, wish, I wish there was more that could be done. Jesus, by a vowel for 11 years and uh, nothing's ever really changed.
0: Newsom said since the crackdown began in May, the CHP, in partnership with National Guard data analysts, has seized significant amounts of fentanyl, firearms, and stolen goods.
5: We want to build on that early success because we recognize the scale uh and the opportunity and the responsibility to do more to help support cities like san francisco address quality of life issues
0: jacob says crime in the mid-market area has worsened post-pandemic
15: folks that visit us from other neighborhoods or are coming here to maybe watch uh, a play at the orpheum theater that's right around the corner they don't feel safe and you can tell very easily that they're not You know they're on the edge
0: in the last week SFPD data shows that officers made 18 citations or arrests for drug violations in the Tenderloin area
15: my plea would be uh, just like everybody else would love more police presence but not only that now I know we're not to get a beer uh, there to be repercussions for crimes
0: The mayor's office said not one of the arrested for public drug use since May to mid-June accepted offers of treatment after they were released. Jacobs said business closures in the area, including the hotel across the street and Whole Foods, have thinned the crowd.
15: Especially international tourists. Uh, There were so many French folks, German folks that we used to see, and um, we don't see them anymore.
0: And the governor also talked about Speaker Emerita Nancy Pelosi's federal operation to combat this crisis. We should expect in the next two to three months, DEA and FBI to join the resources on the ground. Ryan
12: and Betty. So what kind of things does Jacob actually see out there?
0: Well, he says, you know, over the years when these drug users have often wandered into his business, it's up to himself or his staff members to physically remove them or ask them to leave. They simply can't rely on police officers because there aren't enough of them. He also said that his car has been broken into, which came as no surprise to him. And every time he visits a local Lujega or market, he says he witnesses rampant shoplifting. Yeah, right. that's,
12: that's got to be frustrating for a lot of those mom-and-pop businesses. Betty you thank you very much. Part of the mayor's plan to address the drug crisis is to force more people into drug treatment, and the data shows why that may be easier said than done. At last check, there are only six shelter beds available for withdrawal management citywide, and only one of those spaces is for a woman. And there are similar shortages in residential treatment programs and transitional programs. Well right well, hey just, you want treatment
1: just send
2: more <laughs> just send more cops then <laughs> yeah of course like what? what is it they, they refused when they were offered treatment what was this like uh hey here, here's your personal effects you want treatment <laughs> here's your drugs back you want treatment like that's not an offer of treatment it's not helping anybody right uh this is uh, arrest you you're not going to arrest your way out of this problem absolutely not you're not going to police your way out of this problem this is just like it's the war on drugs i don't know why i don't understand why this is such news right like we've been dealing with this forever for decades like this is not working um this this whatever you want to call it uh, uh demand side uh confrontation is not going to work even a supply side confrontation is not going to work you need to systemically you know work to make drugs Unpalatable, <laughs> or at least these kind of drugs right and and, and weed them out from the very beginning no, no pun intended get these kids smoking weed who knows um but yeah we're going about it entirely the wrong way and it's not surprising that it's not going to have any effect but that's not going to stop you know jared or whatever mr mr craft beer from jason from a, uh, you know uh, complaining no matter what happens right something's got to be done oh they're doing something not enough is being done well, and, and now we're going to hear about sort of the, and the next story. We'll, hold the t- we'll hear the tale of two cities oh man yeah but,
1: i guess there's i where do they anyway this one's about san jose and supposed open air drug use this this is, i see it all this, the time I, I see people smoking a joint walking down the street all the time too but i like that i'm like hey I, i'm
2: the one doing it i'm the one doing it <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that's so probably crack not down on the, the councilman come on Let's, let's, let's uh, see what San Jose is doing about it or what Ed 209, Mayor Ed 209 wants to do about it.
4: Struggling just to survive. Several business owners in downtown San Jose tell us that they're hoping the city's renewed crackdown on open air drug use will actually save their livelihoods. NBC Barriers' Damien Trujillo has been looking into the issues in downtown San Jose and found the struggles on the street are impacting stores and the restaurants around them.
3: Many downtown merchants tell me it's been difficult to survive after the pandemic. Now add the drug dealing and other issues and they say it's become virtually impossible. For a Holy Cannoli Cafe in downtown San Jose, issues began piling up. It peaked when Jamie Whitmire was robbed at gunpoint almost three months ago. Oh,
11: I've had PTSD ever since. Yeah, so um, since then, you know, that's the second time I've been robbed here in downtown San Jose.
3: Soon after, Jamie closed her cafe on Santa Clara Street next to City Hall, saying the drugs and the vagrants drove her out of business at that location. But she kept her catering business open.
11: So it's scary. It's scary for me to come in, and it's scary for me to leave. It doesn't matter what time it is.
3: Holy Cannoli is not alone, adjacent businesses also have padlocks on their doors. Frank, the barber, hopes they're not next. It's been been really tough. So, I mean, we're hanging on by a thread ourselves, so. The barber shop has been part of downtown for more than a decade. But the owner says the economic downturn, coupled with the increasing incidence of open-air drug use by the unhoused and others on his block, are driving away customers. We've had people smoking meth pipes right here in the, in the doorways, you know, with the businesses shut down. City Hall tells me the downtown vacancy rate is now at roughly 7 to 9 percent. They shared this map with me, showing the available commercial space in the area. We've got to tackle this problem. For- Over the weekend, the mayor and police he took action after our reporting on the issue, including video compiled by local residents showing drug dealing and using at all hours. The mayor vowed drug dealers will be arrested and prosecuted. Foot patrols became more visible. And the city response to our reporting has given holy Canoli new hope jamie is now going to give her cafe one more shot and there's
11: a continuous cycle of uh cops patrolling it is awesome i love to hear that they're they're taking them off the streets
3: damien trujillo nbc bay area news
1: so i think the reason that san jose isn't coming back after uh the pan- after the worst of the pandemic is that Downtown San Jose just doesn't have a lot to offer. You know what I mean? There's just not a lot going on there. There's, there's yeah. not that interesting a place.
2: It's a reciprocal relationship, right? And it's a chicken and the egg kind of a thing. Like you need you need a place for people to go. People will go there and the demand from all those people will create more great places and spaces, right? And that, uh, and it's just never really, you know, you, you and I both know from at our age, you know, we've never really hit that critical mass in, in downtown San Jose as much as, folks have wanted to or had aspirations to try, right? Um, we just never really hit that point. And pandemic didn't help, but um, I, I think we were having struggles with, it, with that long before and the branding of downtown long before that. So um, well, maybe I mean, things it, will change, I, but.
1: I think a lot of it goes down comes, comes down to like, <clears throat> when I moved to San Jose, downtown was a fucking police state. Like you'd go mm-hmm. out on Friday or Saturday night and there'd just be cops everywhere as you left the bars and then the city got a reputation outside of the city for that shit where you get harassed by the fucking cops on your way out of like going to an event and so people didn't want to go there that stopped it's no longer like that but i you know maybe they got what they wanted maybe they wanted maybe they wanted to chase out all the fucking nightlife but then you know, you know, sometimes the, that's unintended consequence, you know, the unintended consequences of chasing out all the people that are going to go there at night is you probably, Mm -hmm. you probably accidentally chased out a bunch of people who might've otherwise gone there in the evening, (laughs) you
2: know? Right. Right. You, you create what you're, you're trying to achieve. I mean, they, they, they they created, they're right. They created a police state. They created too pristine or too clean of a downtown. Right. Um, and it's not a place where, People want to go and hang out. It's supposed where you roll up the sidewalks at 9 p.m. and everyone goes home um, after they have had a nice dinner. No one's staying out to hang out, go to the club, go to the bar, go to the see the band, go to the uh, fuck, go to the movies. Shit, um, go to the midnight movie, right? Go to see Rocky Horror Picture Show, like you used to be able to. You just, you know, never yeah. really been that place.
1: I was like one of the things. Like when i when I moved to Campbell, I was like kind of surprised. I'm like, oh, everything stays open late here.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Right. You walk like, on the street and you just bounce, bounce place to place, check out new things, right? All the you time, stagger home. Happen. The police don't even bother you, like right? Who's playing at the, playing at the Cardiff, right? Like yeah. I hear something, let's go down there and check it out. Like it's it's just not like that. There've there been fits and starts and things and little pockets, but it's never really been a cohesive feel and vibe. And uh, you know, we're all responsible for that, but I th- I think that there's a lot that can be done by the city and by local businesses and the local economic engines to to fix that and to, to to make it more hospitable to these kind of places developing that will bring the people the people will bring the demand and more spaces will develop and suddenly you've got this great economic base to downtown that's generating tax revenue that you can then invest in your small businesses right like that is it's the most reciprocal relationship of anything in, in civics and in government is this sort of uh, the entertainment artistic tourism complex where we're all, we, we can all sustain our city by engaging in our city, but you have to make the city engaging in the first place, right? And spend the money to make the money. So, and, I that's, mean, not, that's, not for nothing too. Lost. When I, when,
1: when I lived in San Francisco for a time, I would go out and I'd meet people from all over the fucking world. Most of the mm-hmm. time I met local, you know, most of the time, most of the people I ran into were local San Franciscans right. and I lived in the well, Castro and most, a lot of, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Castro lifers, you know? Um, right. but you know, you go to the, you know, you go to 1015 Folsom and the DJ would be from Germany and you'd meet, you'd meet a fucking cool lady from France who, you know, who you, you know, you you know, five French words and she makes fun of you because her English is way better than your French and like, these are kind of, these are like the cool experiences you get in like a cosmopolitan place and San Jose with all of its business, with all so many people traveling here for business to do business here. If there was like a downtown for them to go to or if there was
2: like a club district,
1: I think I think it would. You'd end up with that eventually, but no, I'm not you holding my fucking breath. Coming.
2: Yeah, you'd have more businesses coming here to do business. Um, funny that you should mention German and French because that's what that that beer tender was saying. Like we don't get any French or German people around anymore because of all the rampant drug use.
1: <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe, maybe he caused me to say that, but um, possibly, possibly. You anyway. notice how notice which countries he chose?
2: Hmm. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he didn't say, you know, no- there used to be a lot of Saudis coming through here. Or- Norway. Yeah, and Swedish Norway. people. And Icelandic <laughs> people. I, I, this couple from Greenland was awesome. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I know we we're getting up on it, but uh, the, I wanted to follow up. I, I thought it was good that we found this this piece because we talked a couple weeks ago about the end of public transportation in California, potentially. Well, it looks like it's saved for now, but we'll see for how long.
16: A state budget deal now reached, and lawmakers say it protects California's investments. The agreement comes after weeks of deliberations, though, as Governor Gavin Newsom aims to support a future really focused on public education, health care, public safety, and public transportation. The governor agreed to $5.1 billion in spending over the next few years. So the money for BART and the other transit agencies in the state will include about a billion dollars in new spending. The funding is just part of what transit agencies were asking for as a way to really help them recover from a steep ridership decline since COVID, which put them at risk of having to severely cut back on services. The same day this budget deal was approved, though, Senator Scott Weiner announced a new proposal, Proposal that calls for all of us to pay more just across Bay Area bridges. This uh, raise, this could raise tolls another $1.50 for five years with the money going to Bay Area transit agencies. The seven uh, state-owned bridges, that's all the Bay Area bridges except for the Golden Gate
2: Bridge, which is its own uh, entity, uh, it will increase tolls by $1.50 over a five-year period. Uh, That will generate over five years about
16: $900 million uh, and will help us avoid cuts. If his proposal is approved, it would cost $8.50 next year to cross er most Bay Area bridges. While this is just a uh, a proposal right now, we still wanted to know how commuters are feeling about it. Well, I think there needs to be a conversation, uh, especially including those who have to do the commute, those who will be actually paying the tolls, um, as opposed to just uh, people who are pushing the legal paperwork. Obviously, we'll see how far Senator Weiner's proposal goes in this approval process. As for that budget deal, Newsom says it prioritizes the needs of people in the state while keeping the state on strong economic footing
1: that doesn't sound like like 900 million
2: dollars over five years ain't shit at the state level now especially with the costs i mean like that that's like that's they'll you like one mile of track of the high-speed rail <laughs> right um i don't understand how is it possible that every, like almost every time they go for the man or woman on the street they all they're always filipino i don't get it like they, they just must be the most friendly like outgoing like yeah i'll talk to you news person whereas like you know the angry karen white lady is like i got somewhere to be, don't bother me i'm getting my gas
1: i i like this
2: i like this necklace oh yeah no they're super friendly folks like i'm i'm married to one of them it's just it's it and she's pointed it out to me a million times like how often they pop up i'm like you know what i never thought about it before but watch the local news uh in the bay area and good lord it's like (laughs) one out of two people on the street are filipino i guarantee it if you count it up anyway side note so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kind of plow through the next two stories. Actually, let's I
1: don't let's skip this first one here. This first one's awful.
7: Let's let's yeah. just let's
1: do the second one.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the, one, the one that you found is much better. I I I, I saw bees and I thought another thing, but it, it's kind of bad actually. So <laughs> yeah, like I saw that story stuck. about the bees too, and I was like, I'm not putting that on the
1: dock at the council. We can do that if he wants. Anyway, this is pretty cool. <clears throat> There's a Bay Area roller skater uh, put out a new short film about roller skating. That's pretty fucking Dude. cool. Have you ever seen that? It's, uh, the, it's kind of like a companion event to bike party where it's like a roller skate party.
2: I have not. I didn't realize there wasn't. Does it roll with them or like behind them or same well, night no, or different but night? What
1: happens the way the way it works is is the bike party folks are uh, in front and back kind of to like provide a buffer between for traffic basically between the roller skaters and the cars.
2: Interesting. Okay
1: it's you know bike bike party the bike party organization does a lot more than just throw a bike party i mean they are literally yeah. out there trying to keep the roller skate party safe for plus, sure plus no. the bike party was first so <clears throat> they have more experience with this kind of stuff and whatnot too so they're well, very helpful like that yeah they're, oh, just the best people that's one of the things i'm really gonna miss when i leave san jose
2: fucking bike well party. let's let's hear about we skate in the the new documentary or film oh, we skate we skate
17: skating has always been a popular trend, but the fun activity found a second life during the pandemic. Skating quickly became an outlet for people searching for a way out of the house and for friends to connect with. So last year, one Bay Area roller skater and filmmaker decided to document the skate renaissance. Today, his documentary titled We We Skate 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 has been accepted into two film festivals, and in one of them, his film has been nominated for Best Short Film. So this morning, we're joined by that filmmaker behind We Skate, Eric Webb. Good morning. Thanks so much for being here.
13: Thank you for
1: having me.
17: this is very exciting i also started skating a lot more especially during the pandemic and it was more it is she roller skates i have a cool people so i can she's like
1: me. i have a black friend the <laughs> surgeons
17: came with <laughs> it so what inspired she,
1: it? She, i hope she roller discos down the street honestly
17: though, to turn this hobby of yours into a documentary because a lot of us have hobbies but we're not going to go that far with it
13: which is really neat that's true um, i found myself going to these skate events mm-hmm. so often and i realized the community that I was meeting there mm-hmm. we were all coming from a lot of different backgrounds and I was thinking like how special this time was that yeah. we had together during the pandemic uh, during a time where all of us were mm-hmm. so isolated and the fact that we had such community and felt um, a real belonging with one another mm-hmm. I, was, I wanted to capture this and share it with uh, everybody else
17: And skating really takes people from all walks of life too and puts them together. It's not just one type of group or generation, it's people of all types, which uh, that's what I love about it. So it's always been an extremely popular activity. And looking back to the 80s, I actually did this story story with Richard Humphrey and the Golden Rollers. I I think we have the video of that, but they're perfect examples of that rich history right here in the Bay Area. And he has such a great story himself. There he goes. This is when he was teaching me some of his moves. So how does the past
1: just- Look, roller disco.
2: Oh, yeah. Line dancing,
13: of course. Um, Richard Humphrey is very well known within the skate community. Um, myself, I'm a pandemic skater. I I did a little skating when I was younger, but I'm really so it really a was a new thing skater. for you
17: in the pandemic. Pretty much, That's amazing.
13: Yeah, uh, me as well as a lot of other people, we were out here, um, and it was great to uh, be able to learn from uh, the OGs, the people <laughs> that have been uh, doing this for quite some time.
17: I, I mean, what made you want to pick up skates then of all things?
13: It was really just something to pass the time. There yeah. wasn't a ton to do. I, I was working um, I was working at a job and yeah. just going to school at the time, and I really needed something to get out of the house and stay active Love and that. I, the first time I went to my first skate event, I was there from 4 p.m. and I didn't leave till 1 a.m. and I was so tired the next day, but (laughs) I wanted to go back immediately and I I knew I was hooked after that.
17: Yeah, I know, it's such a great vibe from all the people that are always there. Okay, so your premiere coming up this weekend, July 2nd. So where's it going to be? Where can we get tickets?
13: Of course, so tickets are going to be in person uh, July 2nd at the New Parkway Theater in downtown Oakland on 24th Street. It's going to be from 1.30 to 2.30. And then I'm also going to be sharing the stage with a good friend of mine, Darius, Our Voices. Uh, he's going to be showing a skate film that he made while he did a study abroad in Prague.
17: Interesting. So the two, That's going to be great to see that two together. All right, Eric Webb, thank you so much. Definitely check out the premiere this Sunday at the New Parkway Theater in downtown Oakland. All tickets are donation-based.
1: Glad we
2: didn't uh, do the bees story. Yeah, no, that was much better. Uh, and we, needed a, we needed a happy one. I think we've had a couple of real downer and other things the last couple of weeks. That's my fault. So I'll, I'll be on the lookout for more happy stories because we got a laugh here on the 11th best news podcast in California sometime.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, oh, and by the way, that that was, they were asking for money. They wanted uh, they
2: wanted me to give them money to like- Oh man, I went and tagged them and everything. I wasted a Twitter <laughs> tag on them. Bastards, bastages. That's, well, whatever. I'm still We're still gunning for-, for whoever number 10 was. Yeah, I forget John, John legator or something or lagate, but, um, and then there's the California report at number nine. Um, so I, I think that's, that should be our big, big target there. If we can get in the top 10 and then get to that, get that KQED actually going on, then we've got something. We're going to have more than one listener probably by that point, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I know we have more than one listener. If you've been listening for a long time, listeners, you know that this is an inside joke. But um, there are there are four of you, and we're really proud of all of you. <laughs> you The the four of you that listen on the
1: podcast should actually join the, uh, the 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 order of magnitude more who are often tuned in live. You'd probably you'd feel some more camaraderie. There um, you go. For a change, maybe I'll close the show out. This has been down ballot, hey, do everybody. Um, we do the show live again. Every Friday, seven thirty PM Pacific. Uh, support would be great right now. I'm moving and uh, like a few things for the studio. You can go to um, ecoplexmedia.com support to find ways to support us. There's a uh, and of course you can just share this show with your friend and maybe they'll give us money instead. This is Audible Smoke Signal. This song is called Locals. It's about San Jose at a time when there was more entertainment happening in San Jose. And uh, everybody who's listening or watching live, hang out. I'm going to reconfigure the studio, change the color of the lights, change the contents of my beverage, and we're going to go into conspiracy bingo. See you next week, Councilman. He's out.
6: To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing and here at the front of the stage waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With the pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We're think the fuck up on stage and been like the scene. Yeah. We do what we want. And what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the bit. We do what we want. What we wanna do And what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the bay. Enjoy that bay. I turn and head back. The ball for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car to smoke another one, and another one. Woo! Now just when the magic starts kicking in, now you be left playing. You know it's time to head in. All right, everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink. Pocket if you got it, and then pass it to me. And we do what we want, and what we want is the jam. So sit back and enjoy the. Bed. What we want, what we wanna do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the, the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the bill for the show tonight down is damn me dirty. i five, so we're headed outside. Just fuck up another joint now. Who's got my light? A stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy. The truth is, is that I don't. Think Logically, stone the E Take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli. Rocky the and on a sexy groovy jockin' me. ain't too drunk to fuck But don't probably do a slapin' We do what we want What we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Dance with the band Enjoy the yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Bob Molly said, Do he like jamming? And he hoped he liked jamming too. Well, I gotta say, Thank you, Bob, we do. Yes, I gotta say, Thank you, Bob, we do. Bob Molly said, Do he like jamming? And he hoped he liked jamming too. Well, I gotta say, Thank you, Bob, we do. Yes, I gotta say, Thank you, Bob, we do. And enjoy the bail. Enjoy that man. We do what we want. What we wanna do, what we want is the jam, so sit back and enjoy the bay. Enjoy that pay. We do what we want, and what we want is the jam, so sit back and enjoy the pain.